Welcome to the HDFS Careers Podcast, the podcast featuring informal conversations with family science majors about their professional journeys. My name is Erica Jordan. Today, I will be sharing my interview with Mary Bedell. I reached out to my colleagues at Kent State University, and Dr. Kathy Walker connected me with Mary. Thanks for the recommendation, Dr. Walker. Mary earned a bachelor's degree in human development and family studies from Kent State University. She is currently the public relations director at Plains Local Schools in Ohio. She is also the founder and president of the Josette Bedell Memorial Foundation. In this episode, she discusses how she found the field of HDFS and her professional experiences to date. As is true for all interviewees on this podcast, Mary's views are her own as a private citizen and do not reflect the views of her current, former, or future employers. Without further ado, here's her interview. Well, welcome to the podcast, Mary. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to be with me. I can't wait to hear all about your story. Um, So I know that you attended Kent State. Um, You were a human development and family studies major, right? Yes. Um, And did you have a family life education? Was that a concentration? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Family Family life education concentration. Um, So I know you went to Kent State and you were an HDFS major. Can you tell me a little bit about how you first found the field of HDFS? You know, it is interesting because I started college undecided. I really had no idea. You know, I I, I think it's incredible when 18-year-olds have like a passion Um, But I think it's so unrealistic. I'm like, who knows when they're that young, what they want to do or what you're good at. Um, So I went to college and I was like, I'm just going to, you know, be undecided. Um, So I'm sure we'll get into this in great detail. But my mom passed away from breast cancer um, one month after I graduated high school. And so my senior year of high school, you know, making all of those decisions about where I was going to go to college what was kind of next for me was just this, you know, it's kind of a blur looking back now because it's been 19 years since, since my mom passed. But um, I think that I really felt like so many people showed my family kindness when my mom was sick. And I think sometimes you don't have the opportunity to see that until you're in the position where you need it. And so, so, so many people were just went out of their way to be kind to my family family. And I knew in some way that I wanted to help people. I didn't know what that looked like though. I tell kids all the time that I was bad at chemistry. So I knew I did not want to be a nurse. Um, you know, the, the, um, the science and the math was not my thing. So I think you kind of sometimes think like, okay, medical, how am I going to help people? That's like the natural path. Um, so I didn't know what it was going to be, but, um, I was undecided and my brother went to, was going to Ohio university at the time he had a a friend who was maybe like a, I think it was called something different at at their university, but he said, you should look at family sciences or, you know, whatever he called it and family studies. And so I took the introductory course. And I remember during um, that introductory course, they said, human development and family studies, we call the helping profession. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking like, well, this is what I, this is what I want to, I want to help people in some capacity. And maybe this is going to be my vehicle to get there. So I think like sometimes you're just, your thirst for knowledge is like, I took a class and then I took another class and then I thought, well, this should be my major, you know, because I really liked the courses. So I think it, it, I don't know that I would have found it on my own per se, because it's one of those things where like, if you just read the words, what does that mean? Um, And which is why like the work that you're doing is so important. And just talking to people about this field is important because, you know, I think that there's like those handful of professions that people know what they are, but that's not it. You know, there's like this big, vast world of jobs and, you know, skill sets that are needed. And it's so much bigger than anybody knows. It's not just kind of, you know, you can be an accountant, a lawyer, Mm -hmm. a nurse, a doctor, (laughs) you know? So, um, yeah, so that's kind of like, I took the, I took the introductory class and then I felt like, oh, this, this feels right. Yeah. That, I I say that all the time. It's like, yeah, it's like you grew up here in about five different professions and the vast majority of the world, they're doing things that you've never even heard of, you know, if it's not one of those like main common, um, uh, common things that you hear a lot about. So you're right. I mean, a lot of people, I think, discover the field in a similar way. That is, I cannot imagine, you know, um, losing a parent um, right during that critical transition um, after high school and into college. And goodness, that just says so much about you and your brother and, and your ability to kind of really per, 
persevere. And I, I mean, you, you stated that you had a lot of support, like social support, and I'm sure yeah. that, that was a huge help, but that still is, um, uh, it's really a testament that you all were able to continue to progress towards your goals after that loss. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's, uh, sometimes I'm like, man, how did I get through that time? But I also think, um, that I'm really grateful that, well, I'm grateful for so many things, but I'm the youngest of five kids. That's the other reason why I think HDFS was so attractive to me. I learned a lot about myself, my family, like how we could all grow and learn. I think understanding people is just an important skill. And I think even if you, you know, you know, people who end up going, to college and they, maybe you end up in a different field or you we work a different job. I think that this, I think these classes, they were so informative just for being a person to understand yeah. other people. Um, and I think even to this day, I think of things and I think of a class that I took and, you know, the way the lens in which I look at things, but um, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's proof though that life happens. And so it doesn't matter which stage of your life you're in, big things happen and you have to adapt to them and they affect everything that you're doing. And I think for me, that was, um, I think of it a lot with the pandemic um, and how, how kids were displaced, how high school kids going into college, how traumatic that experience was for them. And I ultimately think that we're going to see some class of 2020 graduates, high school age kids go on to change the world, do incredible things because perseverance, you don't get to pick when it happens to you, you know, something happens and you have to choose to persevere. And I think that's what happened with me. I, I obviously didn't pick for that to happen, but when I look back on my life, I think, God, look at all these really amazing things that I learned from this. I'd give everything to have my mom back, but I'm, I'm very aware of the fact that it, it gave me a lot of really important skills and I had to feel emotions that some people don't feel until their forties, you know what yeah. I mean? Or work through things that other people, you know, maybe have never worked through. And so it was valuable to my life. That's very well said, very well stated. Um, and inspirational too, for those um, students who've been um, matriculating through during this difficult time in our globe, <laughs> global oh, environment. Everywhere, right? Yeah. 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 I can't escape it. Um, okay. So you love, you kind of take it step by step, explore this major and every class you just think, oh yeah, this is, this really feels like this is a good fit for me. So tell me a little bit more about your experience in, in uh, college, uh, what you did inside the classroom, outside of the classroom, um, if you were involved on campus or if maybe if you were working off campus or on campus. And then um, eventually if you had to complete an internship, what that was like. Sure. Yeah. God, see, look, you really test me though, because I am young. Uh, <laughs> you look it. <laughs> and so much energy. <laughs> I mean, I guess, okay, I take that back for the listeners. I am young, but not in the, the sense of being like, I'm like, gosh, I don't know, 15 years ago, what was I doing? Um, no. So in, in college, I, um, well, I had um, one of my roommates also um, studied HDFS with me. So we, um, we took a lot of classes together and um, she's a teacher now. She, she lives in Florida. She was just in town. So um, I just got to see her and her baby, but her and I um, together, we, we volunteered a lot for this program called town hall Two. Um, and I really, I think college is such an important time in your life because you have this opportunity to, opportunity to volunteer. It's um, something that people lose sometimes when they get older. Um, volunteerism is so important. It really grounds you. And, you know, it, it, it was something to me that was really important in my life. And um, we, um, Town Hall too, they offered um, like parenting classes. Sometimes they could have been court ordered and different things like that, but they offered childcare while the parents were attending the class. And so they used student volunteers to, um, you know, to, to watch the kids and work with them. And so um, that was like kind of my niche thing that I did each semester. Um, but I, I worked too. I, I got my first job when I was 14 and I never stopped working. So I did a whole, whole variety of jobs. I, um, in town, I worked, um, the town I lived in, I worked in an ice cream parlor and then, um, on campus, I worked one semester at the, our NPR affiliate station. Uh, I know, which was now I'm such an NPR fan. I didn't appreciate it when I was 19, like that. It was cool. I was just in there, like, you know, doing my pulling the things that they asked me to do, but now I'm like, man, I should have, 
I should have got more into it. Um, (laughs) But um, then I started working at a local grocery store. um, And truthfully, that was my first, uh, after I graduated, I ended up getting a, um, our, our chain of grocery stores offered childcare while families were shopping and it required a, um, a degree, the, the manager of it. And so that was my first job post, um, post graduation was overseeing this childcare department. It was a really good example of how, like, you don't always know where, where the job you'll get, you know, cause it was a degreed position. I had great benefits. It was a really good opportunity. Um, but it was, you know, it shows how like corporations sometimes how they invest in that customer experience. It can look really different and wellness and having people feel appreciated. They don't, they don't offer it anymore, but, and I only did that for a few years, but, um, it was a great experience. Like people could drop their kids off and we did crafts and programs and all sorts of fun things right in the store while they shopped. That is so and, cool. And I'm like, <laughs> Um, I could have used that back years ago when I was right. babysitting and had like three kids trying to drag them through the grocery store. <laughs> yeah, it was really fun. Um, and then that kind of introduced me into um, human resources, which is what I, which is what I did for a while before I, I'm in the role that I'm in now. So um, I don't even remember what your original question was. <laughs> oh, what I did on campus. Look, I just segued. Oh, no, and, like, like, and I'm so off into this. I'm <laughs> off into the world of grocery store childcare. Right. I guess the big thing now is the car pickup drive up, but I'm thinking, right. yeah, what a great opportunity. It was and really to, cool. Yeah. And to know that it was like a, a, a degreed position, you had good benefits. I mean, you speak very highly of it. So I'm, I'm sure you felt, it seems like you felt valued as, as an employee. So that is just really neat. You're right. You never know where the opportunity is going to lead, where it's, where where you're going to find the opportunity. Um, but yes, so, so yes, no, we were talking about all the different jobs that you've had. And then also, um, so as you're winding down, oh, are you also involved in any like clubs or anything like that on campus? Did you find I, I really wasn't, which is interesting because I was a really uh, um, involved high school student, mm-hmm. but Kent State was a big school. I wasn't, um, I wasn't involved with anything related. To, I think it was just like overwhelming, you yeah. know, like how many kids there were. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really loved my time in, at Kent. Um, all things considered, I, it was, I chose to go there because it was close to home and my mom had been sick, mm-hmm. um, not knowing that she would pass away before I would end, start my, my freshman year. So I think, you know, I kind of had a chip on my shoulder at first, but looking back, I, um, I really loved Kent and it was, I had a great experience and I'm glad I ended up there. And I think, I think that you really can have a good I think your experience in college is just what you make it. Like, Mm -hmm. I think every campus has something to offer. Like sometimes I think kids just like overwhelm themselves on making this big decision. But I think like there's great experiences to be had on any campus. It's more just like going and, and living it. Um, I don't know. So I, I'm glad that I ended up there, but it wasn't, it wasn't like I picked it. So when I started, it was a little like, you know, I was a little like just whatever I'm here kind of thing, which, um, but again, I think part of that too, was just like the cloud of grief is confusing. Um, I didn't feel like myself for, for a while, you know, and I think I was in college during that time. And so I think looking back, sometimes I'm like, gosh, I'm surprised I didn't like go to football games or, you know, because like, that's so much my personality now. Yeah. But then I think like, well, I was also like at a really weird point in my life. So absolutely. Absolutely. And it does sound, um, just talking to you about the classes, it sounds like you were able to connect a lot within the classes, like either with, yeah. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about your experience with those. And then also if you had to do an internship, what that looked like. For oh, you. yes, I did do an internship. So, um, so my experience in the class, I mean, I, I, I'm a, you know, raise your hand in front of the class kind of <laughs> gal. Um, and truthfully, I think, I think my, the professors at Kent were so incredible. Um, um, Kathy Walker, who I know, you know, and Dr. Blankmeyer, um, two just, just incredible women who I think getting to learn from them was just so 
I think that the thing about college that makes it so special is that you get to learn about things that are super interesting to you and it feels so different to digest than um than just being forced to learn a curriculum because it's required and so I really loved that part of college um I loved being around other people who were who cared about what they were learning about you know I just think it's a different it was just such a different atmosphere I really liked the work that we did and I liked I, I really craved learning about it and I think I liked excelling when I you know when I did and um having making friends in the classroom that was really important and then so um the internship was not I knew it's part of the curriculum now I know that you have to do an internship but it wasn't in 2006 um, <laughs> so um I actually graduated and then did an internship the summer after graduation so it was not like it wasn't accredited, but um, I did a, an internship with, and again, this is a good example of a job that you would not know existed. A local hospital um, in our community had a, uh, gosh, I can't even think what the department was called, like a community department. And so they had um, like a full-time, um, two full-time women in this like community department. And I worked with one of them hands-on for the summer and they got funding and they offered programming in an area of low-income housing in our community. Um, and so we put on a day camp and they, um, they got a grant and they did what they called um, like a concession stand each afternoon where they could give like, they could come and buy, um, cause it was, it was a bit of a food desert where the, where this area of low income housing was. So they could come get like a string cheese or like different snack options. And it was really affordable. Um, and it also like, um, they, they offered things for programming for pregnant women and um, it was a, a, an incredible experience. Um, and like yeah, and it was just a good example of how like, um, of just what true community work being, being with people who lived in our community. It was also, um, very opening for me as a young person. Um, you know, kids are kids. And when you see two sets of six-year-olds, one with means and one without, how can you say that one six-year-old deserves more than the other? You can't, you know, kids are kids. And so on one hand, I was with these kids who were exposed to so many more things and you could kind of see how, how, um, how this cycle of poverty starts. And so, um, you know, okay, if my mom needs to take me to the doctor, she has to call off work and catch a bus and uh, she might lose her job because I'm sick. And um, the people who are doing really well in our neighborhood, driving wonderful cars, they're selling drugs. Um, there was people who got, there was, there was an infant who died during that summer due to neglect from a parent. And the kids just casually talked about it. Oh, there's wow, the lady whose wow. baby died. And you thought, oh my gosh, the fact that these kids even know that this happened, there was someone who got shot during the summer and they were, oh, did you hear so-and-so got shot? And so to know that just the exposure changed everything for them, you know, it was just really like it, my little slice of being involved in their lives, you know, was, it was just further proof that, um, and I, and I later in my career ended up, um, at kind of a crossroads where I felt like, gosh, I, my, my job right now is just to make my boss richer, you know, like all of the hard work that I put in, it helps this individual have more money in their bank account. And that didn't make me feel good. You know, I wanted, I need to be part of some sort of, even if it's in a very small way, <laughs> making some sort of difference. And I think that, um, I, I needed, uh, that, that internship experience helped remind me, helps remind me today still that why, why the work that we do is important. Why, why the programming that exists is important, you know, and I know people in this field can get really beat down with the day in and day out. But when you look at two six-year-olds, they both deserve everything. You, you know, you can't say that one, doesn't deserve everything, you know, and I always thought of my, of my own kids in my family, I think like, 
in what world, you know, I don't like, in what world do these kids deserve any less? They don't, you know? So it was a great, a really wonderful experience. It was just for the summer, but I'm really glad I got to do it. And, um, and um, made some great friendships. And now those kids are adults. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is a, that does sound like a really exciting position. Like you're connected to the hospital environment. So you're learning about that structure, but then also you're out in the community, like boots on the ground um, and yeah. delivering a variety of different services and getting to make, like build relationships with community members, um, but then also learning a lot yourself. So that, a, that sounds like an incredible opportunity. How did you hear about it? Do you remember? I don't know. (laughs) Actually, well, the lady who was like the supervisor, she went to our church. Honestly, power of your network. Um, When I go back, I, uh, Dr. Walker always invites alumni back to talk to students. Um, And I love the opportunity when my schedule allows to go because I like, I love, you know, I remember sitting in their seat and hearing the alumni say like, oh, you need a network but it is so true. You know, like, um, if you're looking for an opportunity, you need to let everybody in your life know it so they can advocate for you. And it was just a good example of, I think probably my sister or somebody else had said, Oh, Mary's graduating in this. And this woman, Karen was her name, um, told us about the opportunity. So, and it was paid, it was a paid internship, which at the time, you know, was very, very important in my life. (laughs) Yeah. And very rare and paid internships. (laughs) are still very rare. Yeah. <laughs> They're especially related to our field. Um, okay. And so you graduate, you do this internship that's for the summer. And then um, what is your next step? Um, you, is this where you then hear about the opportunity at the child care center through the grocery store chain? Yes. So I, I still was working there part-time while I did the internship. Okay. Actually, I, um, I didn't, uh, I couldn't find a job for like probably nine months. It was, it was a hard time in the employment cycle. You know, I graduated in 2006. Um, looking back now, um, there were, a lot of people struggled during those, those years to find full-time jobs, people with um, degrees. So I remember I went on so many job interviews. I was like, Oh, I'll do anything. And I think I kind of rested in the laurels of like, someone will want to hire me, but there weren't, there weren't a lot of jobs. So um, I had been working at the grocery store while I was doing my internship. And I, I, I'll tell you what, one thing, my, my dad delivered beer for 30 years and he instilled in me a very rigorous work ethic. And, um, so I was like, not willing to give my job up while I did the internship. And so, um, especially when I was young, I like, you know, would stack jobs and make sure my bases were covered and I'd be babysitting and doing things (laughs) over here. So, um, I, I think I just kind of played my cards right in that I waited out for the opportunity. And then um, when that full-time job came, I moved into it. And so then I worked for a few years in that role. And then I started doing um, a human resources role um, through the, the grocery store. Um, and then I left there and I um, worked in a human resources um, capacity. My sister and I actually worked at the same company and um it was a good experience in that it helped me realize um, what I didn't want and in how I spent my time, which is just as valuable as some people are in great jobs and they don't know it because they haven't done anything else. And yeah. so sometimes you get really frustrated with um, with certain aspects of your job and you don't realize that you actually have like a wonderful situation. Um, so I think that that position really helped me um, be appreciative for the role that I'm in now, which I've been in for the last seven years. But um, now, um, how did you really, sorry to interrupt, but how did you transition from that childcare? I know that you did say that some human resources um, opportunities opened up within the grocery store chain, but I'm just wondering what that transition looked like for you. I mean, did you, yeah, how did you switch? Well, I just was the type of person who was just always, probably still am, willing to do anything. So um, while I was doing the childcare, I had one store and then I got moved and I had two stores and so I had a team at each building. And then um, they, 
asked me if I would start helping the HR manager with payroll. Um, She was a little bit older and I was like, sure, I'll learn this online system. And then I got really good at it. And then you know, would take on more tasks and help people. And I was managing a lot and um, there was an opportunity. I I was teaching then at the time an orientation class. So if you got hired for the grocery store chain, we had like 50 stores in our region and I would teach your like onboarding class and do all of your paperwork with you. And so um, it was one of those things where it's just like, don't be afraid to you know, be open to new opportunities. And I also have just always been a yes person. So like, if you need me to do something, sure, I'll do it. You know, I'll try it. I'll learn it. So, um, I, I just would, they, they needed help and I was willing to do it. So, um, that's kind of how, but I'll tell you human resources is very, very much, um, an HGFS field. Like I I think it, it's funny because even now I do public relations and I always tell people like the transitions there it even though it doesn't like totally line up it makes sense because the core of human resources is dealing with people Mm -hmm. and understanding where people are in their life and being able to communicate with them Mm -hmm. is like such an important skill and has been so important in my life because, you know, you can have someone, uh, and this was my experience working for um, the store, which was you could have somebody on your team who is 16. And how do you communicate with that person and what they have going on? You can have somebody on your team who's 70. Yeah. And how do you communicate, you know, what, what that person and what they have going on in their life? And so, or you have that person who's in the middle, who's taking care of grandkids and their older parents and you know all of those things so I think that um I think that like HR while also being very you know tactical on like these labor and things like that that stuff I felt like oh, I could learn you know the the like understanding people part like you either are you either get that or you don't you know what I mean mm-hmm. so that is so interesting yeah, it, I can relate to that experience. Like, yeah, if you're doing a good job, sometimes opportunities will present themselves within the organization and they, you know, they might be totally unexpected and totally out of your normal skill set. But if you're willing to learn the skill and then they see that you're doing a good job with that, and they move on to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And so mm-hmm. it's clear that you're a really valuable employee there. And I don't think I realized that you had multiple teams that you were managing within even the childcare sort of division. (laughs) So I thought that you, during your entire tenure there, you were the one who was doing the direct service with the children, which is, you know, interesting in its own right. But uh, I also find it fascinating that how did you move into these, into this more management level role there? Well, that, that's what the job was. I was the manager. So I opened, all the department and so in each in each store I was at I had um people who who worked in my department I mean I worked there too but I would schedule them and you know deal with any um any issues that came up and so it was it was a great first job experience I always think now when my day is so full how like I thought I was busy then (laughs) Yeah, but um, but, um, yeah, it was uh, it was a uh, I liked I liked the pace of um, of being in in that environment. Yeah, you know, like it's very you're up fast pace. You're standing up all day. You're interacting with people. Now that I just sit at not that I sit at a desk all day, but a lot of the time, you know, I'm at my desk. So um, I just liked the pace of it. But um, yeah, but it also was it 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 like. it had an expiration date. You know, I, I also realized that working with kids, it was not like my ultimate passion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I liked it and I like, but I like working with people in general, Yeah. but I, but it wasn't like, um, school age kids. It was not like my, like be all end all. So gotcha. You got a lot of varied experience just within that one company. And <laughs> no doubt, the fact that you like got your first job at 14 and kept taking a variety of jobs. I'm sure that made you very attractive. Cause I feel like that's sort of rare that a person gets hired pretty soon out of, out of college to be supervising other people. But I think it's yeah. probably, they probably saw the potential talent in you. And then you probably already had accumulated a lot of skills from your previous 
uh, variety of work experiences. It feels like a lifetime ago now though. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's great though. So tell us what you're doing now in this new lifetime. Seven years you've been in. Uh, so yeah, and how did you decide to make that the switch to your current role? Well, um, so I was with the, the company um, in between the two jobs. Yeah. Um, it was a like recruitment firm oh. and um, it, it was good and not good. You know, I think it's good to have bad experiences. Like now that it's over, you know, I was there for two years, my sister and I worked together. So there were some things that were really great about it. Um, we got, my sister and I got to work together and spend a lot of time together. Um, but I also got to see some of the, um, you know, unattractive things for small business. I was coming from a corporation that had, you know, hundreds of stores and a lot of rules and things in place to a um, smaller um, owned business. And um, at the end of the day, um, the business that we were in was filling people in jobs, which on one hand could be really fulfilling. And then sometimes it could feel like um, your product is humans, you know what I mean? Which I didn't love. And sometimes it's like, oh, do you have a, do you have a bo warm body? You know, we need somebody to work. And I didn't, I, I didn't like love that, um, the way that felt sometimes. And I wanted people to be treated with dignity. And so um, it was a great experience overall, because like I mentioned, sometimes you have to even, you know, bad experiences are good for you. And um, hard days are good for you. And so, um, it was a short tenure. I was there for two years, but, um, it helped me to realize that I was at a point in my life where I w wanted to do something else. And, um, I very actively sought out my network during that time when I was ready for a new job and, you know, reached out to, um, to my network and said, Hey, I am, I'm, I'm looking for a new opportunity. And um, I, at the time, had really thought that I would stay in, in human resources. I was very active. I, I felt great about my skills in connection to um, recruitment. I loved helping people find jobs. I mean, I really like, I still like that that I, I do it with friends and anybody else, you know, I like looking at people's resumes and things like that. But um, what happened is I met with um, my cousin who was a um, human resources executive at a really big company and she had a pretty wide network. And so she was going to cast her net for me as well. Um, but she had mentioned to her niece that, um, that I was looking for a new job. Her niece worked in accounts payable at the school district that I work at now, who is my third cousin. And um, so she sent me a message on Facebook and said, Mary, we have this job opening at Plain and you need to apply for it. And I was like, I don't know if I'm qualified for that job, you know, like I, and so I read the description, this, it's a public relations director and I, I read through it. And while I thought I could do all these things, I thought, I don't know if they're going to pick me. And um, she's like, no, you're perfect for it. She just knew my personality. Um, and so I applied for the job. Now I, I should weave in here that I I guess we haven't really got to the point that I, I started a nonprofit in the mix of all of this. So <laughs> that is a big part of where I was at, at this point in my life. So I graduated from college in 2006 mm -hmm. and, um, in 2009, I, I started a nonprofit, um, for women with breast cancer in memory of my mom. And, um, so I started the nonprofit, without any, you know, just figuring it out, like figuring out how to make a website, asking on friends to help, um, you know, creating events and hoping people came and figuring out all of the logistics and trying things out on social media and asking anybody who would listen to be a part of it. And so over time that had really built up. And um, one thing that was really nice is I was recognized in my community. I won a 20 under 40 award. And so that helped really boost my resume. And the yeah. difference when I applied for this job in 2014 was when you graduate college, you kind of 
you're, you just are the same as everybody else, you know? Oh, I graduated college. I have a college degree. Maybe I volunteered. I probably did an internship. Like what else really is making me stand out? You just hope that you might get the chance to be in the room and convince them that you will work hard, you know? Right. Once you get a little bit further into your tenure, then you're like, look at all these things I did. And so by 2014, I had started a nonprofit. I had started to get some attention in our community. I won this really prestigious award and I was in a much different position in which I I really was kind of realized that I was going to get to pick what I got to do next because I had several opportunities that came my way. And so I wasn't sure what that was going to be, I met with, I, I did a lot of interviewing during that time. And when I met with the team here at Plain Local Schools, um, I got just a great feeling. Uh, my boss is um, the superintendent of the school district. And I think the thing that's different about working for a school district is, um, you know, I'm not selling anything. There's no bottom line. Um, I'm part of the experience for, in my case, 6,000 students. And I get to know that these kids in some degree are going to go on to do incredible things and they're going to change the world in some way. And they're not going to know me by name, but um, being a part of their experience in some ways, incredibly fulfilling. And so um, I really, uh, I love the job that I do. So my, my job is um, director of public relations. And I think that what happened is I think that I, um, I was just the right fit. I'm from this community. Um, I'm a really hard worker. I had basically said, I have all this grassroots experience. I have this extra stuff over here and that, you know, here's all the stuff I learned with my degree. And then also just no one's going to work harder than me, (laughs) which is what I said. And honestly, it was true. I mean, I, I think that, you know, the further you get into your career, the more liberties you get with, um, being able to now I have some really nice thing, you know, maybe it's, I get take the morning off if I need to, or tomorrow I have a doctor's appointment. But I think, you know, in the beginning, you have to just prove those things. And, and I'm not saying that's the right path for everyone. It's what worked for me. I've, I've just been the, you need something, I'm going to be there kind of person. And so now I'm seven years in, we've experienced so many things as a school district, most recently a global pandemic. We had a real like suicide crisis in our community. We've had, um, you know, wonderful things to celebrate and I've kids who've done incredible things and um, I get to help tell that story in some way. So the, the kind of the meat and potatoes of what I do is, um, manage external communications for the school district. So I, our website, all of our social media accounts, um, anything that we're sending out to parents, um, you know, the things like that. So I do a, a newspaper to our community. Um, and those are all skills that I've just honed over time. And, um, but I think HDFS set me up for success in truly, I think I could have I think I could have done anything after college. And I think that it gave me a wonderful foundation for that. Um, I think some of it is just like who you are and the kind of person you are. And um, I think that I got to learn about a topic that was like so interesting to me. And then it really, every job I've ever had has equated to connecting with people in some way. And that other stuff, you know, I've you know, you pick up along the way, but the specific detail um, skills, like how to work this specific software. You're going to have to like run a fax machine yeah. at, at any, any job, you know, but I think the foundation of it, um, I, I'm really glad I got to develop, um, at Kent and I, and I loved the program and I, you know, I think it set me up for success. So that is amazing. That's awesome. I want to back just up a little bit to your nonprofit that you started. And that's amazing that you started that in honor of your mom of your mother uh the and so you said that you just how did you even go about generating the idea um you know deciding what the mission would be and then even just the first steps because so many students are interested in starting a nonprofit in the future sometime down so how did what did it even look like for you I would just tell you like the number one thing is start like so I, I, all the time people say, what do I need to do to start a nonprofit? Start. Like, there's not even like a step one. If you want to do it, you just need to do it. And I think that, um, that, that is what 
I, I'm, I, it was in my head for, uh, you know, years before it became reality. And for me, it was talking about it out loud, made it real. And um, I, I meet with young kids all the time. And I always say like the important thing about saying your dreams out loud is important because it makes them real. And you cannot be afraid to speak into existence the things that you want to do. And so if you keep them inside, you don't ever share them. But if you say, I want to start a nonprofit, you're holding yourself accountable to do the things that you say you want to do. And so um, I, I, it it was honestly like, I have a, again, my fantastic network. It's, I I get so much of the credit for the work that we do, but I have this incredible network of people and friends around me. And a lot of it boils down to, um, I had a lot of people who were willing to put in work with me to make it, to make it real. And that is, I had a, I have a friend who is a graphic designer Mm -hmm. who helped design our website to this day, still does anything I need related to graphics. I have a friend whose father owns a printing company. If I need a poster or postcard or something mailed, he prints it for me. I think you cannot be afraid to ask for help. If people believe in your mission, they're going to support you. The worst thing anyone can say is no. So for me, it was just about, um, people loved my mom too. And asking those people, what can you contribute? And then holding them accountable to do it. And so if you have somebody who has a skill and they're willing to give you time, call on that skill to make your thing that you want to do be real. And so for me, um, that started in 2009. I have a a friend whose brother is an attorney Mm -hmm. and, um, he wanted to get involved. He made all the things that were scary, less scary, you know, like insurance policies and forms to fill out. And so you don't have to know everything yourself. You know what I mean? Like, but you do need to call on the people who, who are around you, who believe in what you believe in too. Mm -hmm. Nobody is moving mountains alone. You know, you need that network with you. And so, For me, I have all these people who have grew from this little group to this big army who believe in what I, um, what I wanted to do, which was, and has always been that I think that costs, I think that being sick in America is expensive. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think that research is really important and I, I'm very appreciative of the big organizations that exist that are doing research. I know that I can't change that part of it. But I thought in the interim, what impact can I make? I can't make a global impact, but does that mean I should do nothing? No. So my impact that I'm trying to make is on my community and my state. And so we offer grants to women who are battling breast cancer, who live in the state of Ohio, and we help them pay their bills while they're going through treatment. And um, we gave our first grant in 2011, actually to one of my HDFS classmates, sisters. That's how I even met my, because you can dream up something that you want to do. People will say like, you you can dream up a nonprofit. How are you going to find the people to give the money to? Like at first I like raised the money and then I'm like, how do I find the breast cancer patients? You know? So, uh, but you know what you, I, I raised the money and then I, a girl that I went to college with messaged me. My sister had breast cancer. This is what she has going on. I'm like, we're going to help your sister. <laughs> we got a grant for that. Yep. Yeah. So Amy, she was our first grant recipient in 2011. And today I mean, we've, we've helped um, like over, I don't know, 600 families, something like that. We've given out oh my gosh. Um, well over a half million dollars. And um, I think that the thing that I am grateful for from my experience, particularly with HDFS is that you have to make a living. Um, money is an important part of, of everything. Like, and you know, they tell you when you go to HFS, if you want to make a lot of money, you know, maybe this isn't your spot, but, and for me, I wanted that like, uh, feel good tank to be filled up. You know, when I, I knew, okay, all right, that's what I, that's what I need. Well, once I got my first job, I was like, well, this is it. You just go to work every day. And like, they pay me for that. So I don't, you know, I don't feel good. (laughs) Like, and so I was like, well, I should probably, I should, maybe I should become a big sister through, you know, an organization or I should, you know, I loved the, I loved volunteering town hall too. Like, I just thought, what should I do? And so in the back of my mind, I was like, what if I started my own, but it wasn't until I said it out loud. And so that's why I like the power of 
saying what you want to do out loud is so powerful, but, um, the, the thing for me is I, I knew that I needed an outlet to help other people that was not related to me making money or having a revenue source. And, um, and I'm really proud of the fact that we don't have, we're hundred percent ran by volunteers and not everything has to grow to this huge, like I always say, like, for me, it was hard because I, you, there's this, like, you want to be things to be bigger and better sometimes. And so I'm like, how do I top what we did last year? How do I raise more money? Sometimes I'm like, just chill, help the people you help feel good about the people work you're doing live in this moment and feel good about what you're doing. And if you help one person, it's enough. It, you don't have to, you don't have to set out to be the red cross. You know, you can, you can set a goal and help one person and that's the thing, you know? So um, I have people all the time who say like, I want to start a nonprofit and I'm like, do it. Like, yeah. no, there's nothing holding you back from doing it, but, but yourself, um, and, and if it does, it's also though a lot of work and it's something I do every single day, seven days a week, there's no day off there. And, and I can't expect anyone to care about it as much as I do. So while I do have a lot of help, I have to set the tone because it's the most important thing to me. And I have to like, I don't get a break from it, you know, because, but I care so much. Mm -hmm. And so if you don't have it in you to have that commitment, that's okay too. It doesn't mean you can't make an impact, you know? Um, So I think though, it's just, uh, it's just doing it. Yeah. There are so many just pearls of wisdom and inspiration in what you just said. I mean, just the fact that even from starting when you mentioned how nobody's moving mountains alone and like, you know, just calling on um, people, you don't have to know it all because yeah, that's immediately anything like that, my mind goes to the legal and the paperwork and I'm like, (laughs) but you're, you know, this fact that, Hey, no, I don't have to be the expert in this. Like I can call on other resources. Um, and then, you know, yeah, just, I do think it's so easy to get discouraged. And especially, I think because now we are exposed to so much of the world, I mean, through social media and through the internet, we're more connected than ever before. And when you look around and you see so many big, problems it can just feel like yeah how can I ever make a dent in this but but um I love your approach to your nonprofit kind of staying local and you know and your point about hey Amy Amy (laughs) even if we only helped Amy I mean uh, you've changed a life for Amy like you you've changed her experience you've at least in some small way made this you know just uh, just, you know, tr- very trying, very challenging experience of maybe a little bit easier or it made Amy feel a little bit more supported or her family feel more supported like you felt support, most supported in your family. Because nobody, nobody gets through hard and, and the, the gambit of things that can happen is so huge. And so I always think you could feel so overwhelmed by trying to fix the whole world's problems. Mm-hmm. And people, people in this field, we are empathetic people, you know what I mean? By nature, you, you, you are drawn to this field because you have an empathetic heart and you want to help people. And if you focus on the whole world's problems, it is crushing because you cannot fix them. Mm-hmm. And you can spend your time constantly feeling overwhelmed because I can't do enough for everyone. And I, and I have to put this into practice because I'm, I, I, I'm not, um, it's something I try to be present of is that, you know, you have to be focused on what can I get my arms around and actually, and actually do and make it and make a difference. And and I cannot beat myself up over the things that I can't change or I can't fix. I'll tell you, I, I wish that it wasn't this way. I wish that I wish that people weren't in this position. I wish that they didn't need my organization. You know, I'm, I wish that I would be alive to see that happen. I don't know if I will, but you know, I think, well, in the meantime, if you need to put gas in your car, um, I don't want you to have to worry about that. And I think if you have, you know, uh, to choose between getting your kid a birthday present yeah. or buying your copay, I just want to eliminate that choice for yes. you so that you, so you can at least have one moment of not having to make stressful decisions because it's just so stressful. Um, and I was young and I don't think I even really got to see the full picture of what that was like 
for my family, but I do know that people, people showed up for my family and they showed up in the ways that they knew how to, Mm -hmm. um, to do what they could for us. And I think that the power of kindness is, um, is incredible. And the thing is, I've met so many women who have then now serve and have volunteered for me who were previous grant recipients or who have in some way um, introduced me to someone else or who have then hosted a fundraiser for us. The power of it is so incredible that like if you start with one little thing, one little token of kindness, how big that can turn. Um, And so like while I'm proud of my job and I love the work that I get to do, um, there is nothing like knowing what your purpose on this earth is supposed to be. And I feel really grateful that I got to figure that out. And um, grief is really hard and confusing. And um, it was at June 29th was the anniversary of my mom passing away. It was 19 years. And it's hard not to be sad, even though it's like, oh, so much time has passed. Um, It's hard for me to know that I've had more years without my mom than I had with her. But um, I have just like such an incredible gift of, I get to say her name. I get to tell people about her. I get to help people in her, in her memory. And I think, well, if that's, if that's the way it had to be, then I'm okay with that, you know? And I, there's a lot of peace in that for me. And I hope that people who, most people who are hurting or grieving are able to find that peace because it's, it's comforting to know that, um, you know, life that like death is part of life. And that's one of the things, you know, I, I, I was, um, I was, it's in like, that was one of the things in HDFS. It was just so great to learn about birth to death, you know, that mm-hmm. this is it. You can't, you can't hide from it. You right. know, I mean, it's going to happen. I actually took, um, a bereavement class in college, which was really interesting. And our teacher, her husband passed away during the course. Oh my. And it was like one of the wildest experiences of this person who was an expert on grieving had the biggest loss of her life while, while she was teaching us, but that's a separate thing. But you know, it's just, um, I hope that if nothing else, if you are listening to this podcast and you are exploring this career, and I think sometimes you might find this major because you've been through something in my experience a lot of the a lot of my classmates were people who had had experienced something in some way in their life that brought them there there the other side of it is just so sweet because serving your community is always going to always going to fill your tank and finding your way along that path it, it took me time um but you know ending up at a at a destination where you truly feel like you're giving back and you truly feel like this is where you're supposed to be is very very you know when I was young I was like oh should I move should I live in a different city what what am I supposed to be doing you know there's like that pressure of like why should I not live in the home my hometown and now I'm like confidence like no I love I love this city and I I love back to it and you know and I I I'd like I got to figure all that out throughout this journey so yeah. Oh man. So powerful. Um, gosh, I, uh, I, I just feel like I need to write down some of these quotes that are just coming out of your mouth <laughs> just so that I can post them up and remember them. Oh, gosh, thank you. You're so sweet. No, I, I'm serious. Um, so, okay. So that is clearly, I mean, one of your strong passions is giving back to women in this incredible way and in their families. Um, and making that happen. So, and you told us a little bit about kind of the scope of your job. Um, so tell us about when you're not um, spending during your, when you're not in your own personal time and when you're not working um, with your nonprofit organization, um, what does your daily life look like at your um, current job now? Oh, um, I thought you were going to ask like what, <laughs> what I do outside of work. And I was like, nap. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, so my daily life, well, the thing that's kind of, um, awesome and different about working in a school district is, um, and you probably know this feeling is that there's like a, a finite beginning and end. Uh Um, whereas like when you 
we're working a regular job. It's just like every day happens, (laughs) you know? So like right now, July, we're um, in the middle of school years. So um, it's actually a pretty hectic time because um, people always wonder like, what do you do all summer? But (laughs) the new school year doesn't just happen. You know what I mean? Like we, so I'm in the process of making lots and lots of changes, um, for the new year and setting training up and getting every, everything, um, where it needs to be so that we can start school on August 18th, um, which will be here so soon. So, um, the, the thing that's kind of, uh, that I really love about my job is that the days are really not very similar. Um, and I think also, one of the hard things about answering this question is because of the pandemic made that look a lot different last year. Um, on a, on a normal school year, I spend time in and out of, um, we have nine school buildings on our campus. So I spend time in and out of buildings and classrooms, um, school events and different things like that. I didn't do a ton of that last year just because trying to minimize how many people were in each building. Um, so I do spend a, a, a fair amount of time in my office. Um, like something exciting is tomorrow. Um, I am meeting with a reporter. We ha- are doing a summer program in my school district called books and basket or excuse me, books and buckets. And, um, it's for at-risk youth. Um, we're doing, um, they did come and play basketball and our, our basketball team is reads to them. Oh. And, uh, we have a alumni who is, um, I don't, gosh, look, I feel bad saying that. I don't know if he's former or current NBA. <laughs> That's but, it. Gives me, I, I do not follow sports. He's not going to listen to this, so it's okay. <laughs> um, but Somebody with the NBA. <laughs> yeah. And he's like a wonderful, um, he's going to come tomorrow and read to the kids. And so um, I invited the press and they're showing up. So um, so I get to do things, fun things like that. And then um day to day, I'm mostly just helping people, um, like immediately work mostly with, um, our school principals. So, um, they have needs and some way of communicating with their families or needing things to be approved. And, um, I help them directly. We also, I also oversee like all of the, um, district-wide events that we do. Um, so basically if a school is planning, um, an event or something, for their um, community, they would work with me directly to make sure that it's all communicated well, looks good, pretty, that kind of thing. So, um, so yeah, it's honestly, um, it's uh, very, I mean, very busy, but um, I'm a department one too. So it's actually kind of a luxury that a school district has a me. Um, not a lot of schools are, are able to invest in having someone do this kind of full time. Um, so it's, it's, um, you know, it's hard to not have anybody else with me, but, um, (laughs) I was going to ask you that if you had a team, because that is a big, that's a big job to fill the entire district, the trainings, you mentioned trainings. And so what sort, who, who are the recipients of the trainings? Do you do onboarding for just general staff? Um, no, more like, um, right now we have a bunch of, um, we hired some new, like I have a new principal starting. Okay. Um, so um, I'm going to train her on like all things communications, gotcha. and the process we use. And we also have like a bunch of secretarial changes. Okay. So pretty much anyone who's like a touch point for communications. Gotcha. So I'm not really involved with other employees like um, teachers. Or yeah. Like that. yeah. 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 No, we, um, we are lucky enough to also have a, a, a small, I think maybe they're in of two now. Um, they, they started off in of one communications team within our college. And I know that yeah. they regularly do like media trainings for us. And it is super oh, good. helpful. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's a recent development. We've only had it for a couple of years. Um, and so another thing I just thought about, even related to your nonprofit, and sorry, I'm hopping back to that. Okay. I'm recording this, you know, like right down the street from the medical center in Houston. Houston Medical Center is huge, um, especially in terms of cancer research. But I know one of the things that um, we see people like raising funds for is even just like the parking, the parking Mm -hmm. fees, so like just going to treatment, uh, hospital parking, especially if family members need to be there to assist. I mean, before you know it, I mean, so all of these little things like you- Yeah. Yeah, So um, I'm in Canton. Uh, We serve the whole state of Ohio, but we get a lot of people predominantly from Northeast Ohio since that's where I'm, I'm personally at. Yeah. And um, 
a lot of women who are served from the Cleveland Clinic. Yeah. And it is not cheap to park at the clinic. And so, um, yeah, just getting there, you know, you think like, okay, what if I have to go five days a week for an entire month? That is a line item in your budget that you did not plan for, no, <laughs> you know? So, expensive. So, so then you're choosing between, um, do I get this or do I get this, you know? Yeah. So, or you, people end up putting it on a credit card or, and then you add in too, um, maybe my wages were reduced yes. a lot. Of, like I, the thing I always say is when you get hired at a job, you're not like, Hey, if I was, ha- if I happen to get cancer, what's my coverage? Like, like no, you, nobody knows. Right. You don't know till it happens to you. What you could think you have phenomenal insurance and you might, it doesn't mean that you might not get reduced from hundred percent to 80% to 60% pay, yeah. you know, you don't know if you're going to be off work for 12 weeks, 12 months, you know, I yeah. mean, it just is so specific to the person. And so, um, sometimes the hard thing is too, and one of the things we do also is, um, that I really like is it's called well wishes. We send people just like encouragement. It's mm-hmm. bouquets of flowers or a massage or a gift certificate, because sometimes when people find out they're sick, their, their network swoops in on them, yeah. but you don't know what you need yet. Like you're right. like, I don't know. Um, it's not until you're like in the trenches that you're like, how am I going to pay this parking every day? Yeah. Um, so the well wishes is kind of a supplemental um, to the grants, which is just, your mental health is also so important during that time. So sometimes people don't need a financial grant or they don't know yet. And so we will send them something to just say, Hey, you're not alone. You are so strong. We're here for you to just give them encouragement at that beginning part of their battle. So that if they later find themselves really having a financial need that they can't manage, they know that they have somebody that they can reach out to. So, Oh, that's great. I love that. Yeah, sorry to hop back to that again, but I, I just thought about that and I'm like, yeah, I mean, it just really illustrates the importance again of, of your work. Um, and I, I think it's so cool too, the fact that you're able to have impact on a, a district with 6,000 kid, kiddos as well. And, and the parents and the faculty and staff and all everything that comes along with that. Um, so is there anything else that I didn't ask you about that you think would be important to share? Um, And do you have any advice for students or new professionals who might be um, interested in some of the things that you've done? They might be trying to go down a similar path. What would your advice be? Okay, I have two pieces of advice. Whenever I talk to people who are gonna, well, uh, I'll just, a few pieces of advice. Okay. Um, Whenever I talk to people who are getting ready to graduate and they have that fear in their eyes, I have a feeling. (laughs) tangible things. One is it's going to be okay. So like, if you're listening right now and you're worried about finding a job, you'll be fine. (laughs) I'm always like, it is going to be okay. So you just need to hear that it's going to be okay. You're going to find work. You're going to find the thing you're supposed to do. If it's not the first job, that is okay. Not everyone is meant to find the very first job they get and work 30 years. It takes time. There's a path and you're going to end up where you need to be. But, um, a few tangible things as someone who used to call applicants that can really make a difference when you are an entry level, um, when you're, when you're looking for entry level employment, you are just some, a name in a stack. And there's a few things you can do to help your chances. One is, um, answer your phone. And we really live in a non-answering phone, um, era. I don't answer my phone, but if you're applying for jobs, answer your phone. It's really annoying to the person um, setting up the phone screens to have you not answer and then call them right back. Sometimes by time you might only have five slots open, you fill them up. And then by the time you call me back, you missed your chance. So just answering your phone is so important. Mm -hmm. The other is, I always tell people this, take the very first available interview slot. Sometimes people think they should be at the end because they want to be like fresh on your mind. Interviewing is exhausting and you give your most energy to the first person you meet with. And sometimes when you meet with like five people by the end, you're like, tell us your stuff, you know? So I always say like, hit them, get them, get, be the first one in the door. And sometimes they meet someone, love them, offer them the job, don't even meet the rest of the people. So those are just my, like, if you're entry level and you're fighting for a spot where like anybody could get it. And then also do not be afraid. I, I remember being timid of really reaching out to my network and thinking like, Oh, I'm not going to email everybody. I know do it. Email everyone, you know, when you graduate college, email every person, you know, here's my resume. If you know of anything, can I shadow you? 
is there anybody in your business who does anything related to this type of work? Can I spend a day with you? Can you have lunch with me? Because when you do those things, when you hear about an opportunity, you recommend that person and you're way more likely to get the job when you know someone in any capacity. So, um, but HDFS is just such a wonderful field. And even though sometimes it can be frustrating because somebody will say to you, what's that? Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> just know that you're set up for success and it will, it will be beneficial to your whole life. So that is great advice. I was just sitting here thinking, should I just lop that part off and make it its own separate episode? <laughs> those more of those quotes that I need to write down um, and just uh, share with my students and share with others. Um, well, this has just been a delight and a wealth of information. I've learned so much more. I feel so much more inspired as a professional just sitting and listening oh, to so you. So nice to meet you. So nice to meet you as well. And thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to um, share a little bit about your journey. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the HDFS Careers Podcast. If you have recommendations for HDFS or other family science alumni to interview, please reach out to me at hdfscareers.com. Don't worry if they are not working in a job that would normally be considered in the field. I'm interested in hearing a variety of stories, especially if they are working outside of academia. If you like this podcast and want other people to be able to find it, please rate it and review it or share it on social media. Until next time, keep exploring your future possibilities.